All right, welcome to another episode of History Untapped. This week, we are talking about legendary athlete Glenn Cunningham. Cunningham was born on August 4th, 1909 in Atlanta, Kansas. When he was seven years old, he walked two miles to school with his 13-year-old brother, Floyd. When they got into the schoolhouse, they went to make a fire in the fireplace, since it was so cold in the room they could see their breath. The boys stacked kindling and coals in the fireplace when Floyd grabbed a can of what he thought was kerosene and threw it on the coals. Wait, so this is a story? Are we listening to Are we going over again? Huh? What okay. kind of story are we going over again? About an Olympian. Ah, Olympian <laughs> fire starter? Like a Olympian fucking arson? I, th- I think he, he might he might be running real fast. If <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, no. So Floyd was killed in an ensuing explosion, and Glenn was burned so bad on his legs that the doctor seriously considered amputating. Glenn and his parents were able to convince the doctors to let him keep his legs, while the doctors eventually agreed. They did warn him that he would most likely never walk normally again. He burned off all his skin from the bottom of his shins to his knees and lost all of the toes on his left foot. His transverse arch was also basically melted and his right leg was so mangled that it almost that it was almost two inches shorter than the left. So what happened is he they got his family says you know it was back in 1909 people didn't have cars and shit like that they had to walk to school so they walked there with their older sister i guess and she was off in another part of the building doing something when they threw the kerosene on the fire and she heard the explosion and came running back and saw them just basically on fire and she had to tell them like run out here like get out here like and they were she was trying to put them out basically and the older brother floyd he once he was out, he pretty much died after, you know, before help could get there. And uh, they didn't cut off Glenn's legs because he had already lost his brother and they couldn't bear for him to lose his legs as well. Like, even if they were going to just kind of hang there, they were like, he lost his brother already. Please don't take his legs, too. It's a good point, because I was sitting here questioning. I was like... Glenn and his this, parents were able to convince the doctors. I was like, the seven-year-old this is must also, have been putting up fucking facts oh, he, about his fucking life. He, he was not having it as well. But this was also 1909 where you grew up with the town doctors. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like today where they would just lock you out of the room and be like, sorry, we have to do this. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's a little different there because now they would just be like, he's going to die, you know, if we don't do this. Like, they they got to go. Back then, they were like, yeah, wrap him up, I guess, and send him home. Yeah, he didn't fucking die. This is your Mrs. Cunningham. What would you like to do? Yeah. Well, well, Ted, we're going to keep him in all his parts. Uh, And the doctors are kind of like, gross, but okay. Do what you gotta. (laughs) Uh, The doctors then sent Glenn home with his family and gave them instructions to massage the injured areas to help stretch the muscles and get them working again. Fuck that. Dude, if I burned, you guys start massaging my shit. It's not while he's burned. This is, I should have clarified that. It's after the burns have healed. Oh. But. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. it's not All while right. he's got open burns on his legs. I was yeah. fixing to say, dude. <laughs> like, fucking leave me alone. Yeah, fucked up. Like, massaging shit right now. <laughs> Time to fucking massage your third degree burns. Yeah, Glenn. No, no, no it's after they. Paul. Well, I don't like that one. Well. While he was struggling with walking, <laughs> he never lost his faith in God, and he and and his was all it was. Jesus Christ, my bad. And he w- and he was always citing his favorite Bible verse in therapy, Isaiah forty thirty one. Uh, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength; they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Pretty good one for someone who can't walk, you know. Yeah. I like it. Solid. I dig it. I dig it. I dig, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, his parents would massage his legs until they were so tired that they would have to switch out with each other until both were too tired to continue. And after that, Glenn would start massaging his own legs. <laughs> <laughs> after almost two years of this, there still weren't many signs of improvement until one day when Glenn's mom brought him outside for fresh air in his wheelchair, and he started crawling across the yard when she went inside. By the time she got outside to make sure he was okay, he'd pulled himself up onto the fence. Oh, okay. uh, he was After two years, he was tired of sitting in that chair. He's over it. So once he had a firm grip on the fence, he was able to drag himself along the edge and force himself to, quote-unquote, walk. Glenn was going to force his legs to work whether they wanted to or not. He did this every single day for weeks on end until he wore the grass along the fence into a dirt path. After a few months of this, he could walk on his own for a bit. So he basically did a Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. Yeah. Basically, Uh, yeah. We're talking about Olympian here, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, just making sure we're still on track. All right, right story. So, just, just double checking. You know. I mean, he's already this next part, this ne- dude. This next part is pretty crazy. All right, here we go. Uh, after regaining the strength to walk, he soon learned that although it hurt to walk, it didn't hurt at all when he ran. What? Okay. Uh, yeah. The, doesn't make sense to me, but then again, you are very small. Uh, he was quoted as saying, it hurt like thunder to walk, but it didn't hurt at all when I ran. So for five or six years, all I did was run. Uh, he soon turned into a version of Forrest Gump. That's funny because that's who I was thinking. I just felt like running and ran everywhere in the community. Uh, I didn't move 10 feet without breaking into a run. I ran and ran and ran. This has to be like. Run. This, is, this had to have been inspiration, of. dude. It had to have been inspiration yeah. for that. Like. And one day. Oh, yeah, I just, just ran and ran and ran. ran. Like, yeah. Has to be. By age 12, Glenn was the fastest kid in town. And by his senior year of high school, he set a national record in the mile of 424.7. In 1930, he joined the track team at the University of Kansas to run for legendary coach Brutus Hamilton. Before he was able to get on the track or train, he had to go through a very difficult and time-consuming warm-up and stretching regimen to make sure his muscles would work properly. 
So yeah, he had to show up early and stay late and everything to do extra stretches and massages and whatnot. And they, you know, they didn't have athletic trainers in the thirties like they do now. Right. So he did all that shit himself, basically. Just like freshman. Glenn didn't compete in his freshman year, but he trained relentlessly. And at the Big Six conference meet in Nebraska the next year, he set new conference records in the half mile with a time of 153.3 and the mile with a time of 414.3. The next week, he took three seconds off his mile time and set a new American and NCAA record at 411.1. The next year, he continued to he continued his domination, and he won the NCAA 1,500-meter event and earned himself a place on the Olympic team, as he should have heard those fucking numbers. Booking it, dude. Yeah. Booking it from a dude that fucking essentially was <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. I got no legs, dude. I mean, uh-huh. you ain't oh, got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. The stuff they use on the space shuttle. <laughs> 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 that's, that's crazy though oh, okay when it came time for the 1500 meter final in the olympics he held on to he held on to the leaders for the first three laps but down the final stretch uh he began to fade and was passed up in the final few meters and finished in fourth place the following year he graduated from kansas at the top of his class but before he did that he won the ncaa mile and set a new record with a time of 4 minutes, 9.8 seconds, and won the AAU 1500 meter in 3 minutes, 52 seconds, and the AAU 800 in 1 minute, 51 seconds. Pretty fucking fast, dude. That yeah. is that is absolutely steaming fast. Let's for a dude who's got one leg that's two inches shorter than the other one, no toes on one foot, no arch on the same foot, like, this dude is hey, flying. This is a prefontaine. No, is that prefontaine have a shorter leg too? Uh, you might have, but I don't see. Not like, look, not like this. All right. You know what? We don't I'm convinced it. now. Get a shorter leg, you'll be fast as fuck, boy. Thanks, so I think this dude just wanted it more. Could be. You never know. Maybe. Uh, that same year, he was awarded the Sullivan Memorial Award for the nation's most outstanding amateur athlete. In the summer, he went on tour with the USA track team and was made captain. After 20 events that summer with the team, he was nicknamed the Kansas Iron Man. So he also had about seven other nicknames that were all Kansas something or other. Um, but basically, this guy was the Kansas badass, basically, Captain America. He's Kansas America. Yeah, basically. All right. In 1934, a rival American finally appeared to challenge him on the track. Princeton's Bill Bronthen was coming for his records, but Cunningham had a trick up his sleeve. Up until this point, most runners would try and run as hard as they could for the whole race and try to hang on for the win. Cunningham was about to change this. Yeah, there usually wasn't a whole lot of strategy in racing. It was just like, Go out there and see who's fastest for the whole time. There was nothing about, like, trying to pace yourself and then, like, kick around the last 200 meters. There's nothing about, like, some people would just burn themselves out in the first half and try to kill everyone else off quickly. I mean, these guys were just yeah. trying to hang on for the win. Like, there was almost no strategy involved. 
this early, it seemed like. It's so crazy because now you think about it and they like literally talk when they're announcing the Olympics. It's like, oh, here we come around the last meter. Yeah, they're like, this guy usually starts this this far. Yeah, like. Yeah, they start saying, like, where it's, like, gunning it, and he's kicked his reserves in and whatnot. So it's like they've been saving, they've been pacing themselves so that they can save for the last little bit and just fucking haul ass. On June 16, 1934, Cunningham attended the Princeton Invitational Meet to challenge the new favorite, Bronton, in front of 25,000 spectators at the Madison Square Garden. Cunningham went out fast and pushed the pace uh, for the first lap before slowing in the second and letting Bronson take the lead before he sped up the pace by three seconds and then blew by Bronson on the last lap with a 59-second last lap and setting a new world record again um, with four minutes, six six seconds. You got to meet the president again. (laughs) (laughs) Bronson would end up beating him later in the summer in back-to-back 1,500-meter races, but Cunningham came back in 1935 and 36 to win the AAU 1,500-meter championships. He once again qualified for the Olympics in 1936. This time he made the podium but lost out on the gold medal to New Zealander Jack Lovelock, who smashed the world record and set a new time of 347.8 oh yeah. and beat Cunningham by over half a second. Not for the mile, it's a 1500, so it's a little bit shorter. Okay, I was fixing to say, holy. No, fuck. no one, nobody broke four minutes until like 1954 or something like that. Yeah. So Cunningham held the, the mile world record for like three or four years, I think. At 406, uh-huh. nobody was able to get under that. That's still crazy. Got like one leg shorter than the other. Yeah, that's actually his secret. Is every year he just like takes half an inch off his left leg, <laughs> and he gets significantly faster. Yeah, it actually helps him when he's rounding the corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. actually able to cut he, a little bit he off. He got there. that lean. He used the yeah. momentum just to fucking. Right. He can take the, the corner the a little bit sharper. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, that that's right leg just pushes him through those oh, corners. That's what it is. It's crazy. What yeah. if it was the other leg going to actually made it harder for those turns? Oh shit! Well, Glenn Cunningham retired with two NCAA titles, eight AAU titles, a silver medal in the Olympics, and can and countless world records set, including his mile record. That lasted for over three years. He ended up earning a doctorate in physical education and worked at Cornell for four years as the physical education director until the U.S. joined the Second World War. While serving in the Navy, he was made a trainer and came up with new ways to get soldiers into the best fighting shape quickly. So not only is this guy like just badassing, you know, Olympic records and running like fucking faster than anything. He then joins the Navy and starts fucking training people. He gets better. And he was nearly burned to death. But wait, there's more. There's more. There is more. During his career, he invested money from his winnings, and when he retired, he bought two separate ranches. Uh, He lost one of them whenever he and his wife divorced. His daughter still owns 320 acres of the property and raises thoroughbred horses, uh, there where her father rescued animals and gave them a second chance at life. So this dude is just like a fucking peg leg looking ass Steve Irwin that's also in the Navy. 
Right. So he had the one ranch for <laughs> for animals that right. he would he'd bring in and give a second <laughs> life to. <clears throat> he also had a second ranch. Uh, so after the war, he married his second wife, Ruth, and the couple had ten children. Uh, they lived together in a 12-room ranch house with their 10 children and Glenn's two other daughters from his first marriage. After some of the children grew up and moved out, they turned the ranch house into a home for troubled youth and had as many as 84 people living there at any one time. Oh it's been estimated that the Cunninghams helped over 9,000 children. It's just, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, no shit. Eighty-four people living in my house. I'm you want to see the fastest fucking serial killing off. ever? Jesus. Trouble second to Jonestown. They, they needed somewhere to oh, go. Oh, oh. Okay. Jesus, man! So, I lose my well, mind with that many people in my house. But drink the flavor aid. <laughs> so Glenn Cunningham was never the most talented athlete. I, I bet he continued. But he was the most determined and overcame extreme circumstances. He continued to live the same way when his athletic career was over, helped so many others, and the same determination until his death at age 78, 78, on March 10th, 1988. Damn. Never got gold, though. Wow. No, unfortunately not. Never got he gold. got a gold in our hearts. Oh, well, gold in their hearts. Jesus. That's true. 9,000 kids, dude. He helped. This is after he had 12 of his own. He was like, you know what I need? More kids. More children. Yeah. No, eight is more at a time. time. Like, oh, my God. We had a pretty big house, though. I mean, I mean uh, yeah, I'd imagine they had a pretty big house. They had 84. Four people there one big time. Big house. They had a barn. I mean, I'm sure they had limitless <laughs> labor around the house. Yeah, and Trouble nowadays we call his property Motel shit. 8. Yeah. Maybe. Go to Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like what Steven said, what the fuck am I doing with my life? This dude's feeding 84 people at one time, and I'm like, I sold blood to make rent. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of History Untapped. If you enjoyed this show as much as we did, please leave us a rating and feel free to follow us on anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else. Also, Please share us with your friends and family, as that is the most important way that we are going to gain more followers and get more content out there. If you want to, you can also visit us on Instagram at History Untapped. We also have a merch store at HistoryUntappedStore.org. All music on this show is produced and performed by all good folks. <laughs>